And she leaned over to my wife and said, have you seen the stairs in the woods? Hey, this is the Unrefined Podcast. What's up? This is your host, Brandon. And Lindsay. Welcome to another episode. We are here to basically just explore our world. We wanted to start this podcast and we kind of had a, a, a vision of combining different different types of things, but focusing more in on just one just one thing. And basically what that one thing is, is what's behind the veil? You know, what's what's really going on in the world? What's really going on in life? And and basically that's going to cover a lot of different topics because, you know, we live in a, the nature of the world that we live in is is unrefined. You know, we live in this multifaceted world of the seen and the unseen. Lindsay and I both come from a, a biblical worldview. And so we're trying to look at the world through that worldview, but there, there, there's a seen world and there's an unseen world. And we're hoping that in each episode that we can go beyond this veil, that we can reach beyond it and to the seen and the unseen, basically in an uncontrolled and an unrefined way. Our podcasts aren't going to be super refined as you know by the title it's just we're just two dudes trying to talk and just kind of go over different stuff that that, that's on our hearts and everything and and hopefully eventually we plan to have guests in so that kind of gives you a a synopsis or a, a vision of what our you know what we hope our podcast will be what do you think Lindsay? yeah i thought that summed it up pretty well i mean it weird i mean we're both really uh into weird stuff so that that's going to be an important part of our our podcast that's just who we are the biblical worldview uh with a focus on the supernatural and i mean even just stuff like what we're listening to what we're reading we're gonna throw that in there too usually so well, and also too, I don't know about you, Lindsay. I, I think you, you would agree with me about this, but I'd also like to, you know, talk about our vocational type ministry that we're involved in, um, making disciples and, and movements. Uh, that could be an aspect that we talk about at times because that comes in all this. But just basically, just stepping back and, and seeing that this world is is stranger than. Stranger than fiction in a lot of ways. I remember that yeah, movie yeah. Uh, came out in the eighties or nineties, and you know our world is 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 it's just weird. The interesting thing about it is the further we've gone, at least I've gone. I know I can't speak for Lindsay. The the the, the further I've gone down this rabbit hole, the weirder it's got. Yeah, I agree. We want to explore the the weird. Uh, you know, and but we want to explore how to look at the weird through a biblical worldview and talk about different topics that that are on our hearts and everything as well. Uh, the interesting thing is, is as I 
told Lindsay, I kind of had this vision of it. We're like Joe Rogaine meets Michael Heisner, who's a, actually, if those of the, those of you who don't know who he is, he's a biblical scholar, meets, you know, Mr. Ballin, who is a true crime weird kind uh, guy who had a YouTube video and then, have, then has a podcast versus, you know, just good old fashioned talking about what we're doing in ministry. And it's kind of a journey. It's a journey about our lives uh, to, to guys who are trying to make their place in the world and trying to find our place in the world. And like I said, the, the world is a strange place. So Lindsay, what have you been listening to, man, music-wise? Oh, let's see. Uh, I have like a 80s mega mix that I kind of go through, <laughs> and I listen to that a lot. Uh, Sisters of Mercy, I've been listening to them a lot, and I found this guy on YouTube. He's kind of, he's making fun of goth music a little bit, but it still sounds pretty good, named Desmond Doom. Um, he put out this sort of little album called Surf Goth. Uh, reading wise, I've been still going through the Lewis's Space trilogy, uh, kind of slowly. Tell me about that. Tell us about that. I mean, what are you what are you learning in in that that you know in Lewis's fiction? I mean, a lot of Christians will read Lewis's nonfiction works, mere Christianity, and all that kind of stuff. What are you, what are you gleaning from his his space trilogy? Well, I mean, he he seems to have a a similar sort of supernatural divine counsel, if you will, to use Heiser's terminology, worldview. Uh, now, I don't know what Lewis's view on the Nephilim and all that were exactly, but you know, he envisions a universe ruled over by principalities and powers, some good and some bad. And yeah, that, that really spoke to me, you know, because of the, the Heiser connection. I'm almost done with the second book. I'm really reading it because honestly, uh, Jay Dyer talked about it a little bit on one of the recordings on his YouTube channel. And it just intrigued me the whole, the final book, kind of covers this dystopian post-humanist future. I haven't gotten to it yet, but you know, that's that's the main reason I've been reading through it is just to get to the last book. I'm told you could just about read them separately and they still make sense, but I, I've gotta I've gotta go through the I couldn't do that. I, I gotta I gotta go through the the whole thing as the, the author put it out and envisioned it. But yeah, it, it's really good. I, it, it, it's not like any other sci-fi I've ever read, to be honest. I've heard he's influenced by H.G. Wells, but I haven't read a whole lot of Wells. I've seen movie adaptations mostly. Um, so it feels new and fresh and different to me. I'm also reading um, Your Gift to Me, actually. The, Heiser's companion to First Enoch. Just kind of skipping around right now. I'm going to take it from the top eventually. But well, tell everybody what Enoch is for those out. Well, out yeah, that I don't know. Well, you got to start with 
sort of Enochian literature period. There's more than one. Uh, but most people, when they talk about Enoch, they're referring to what is called First Enoch. It was the entirety of it only exists, I think, in uh, the, the Ethiopian Gese language. Uh, they actually, it's part of their canon. It could be a whole topic on its own there, but, and a good bit of it's in Greek as well, but uh, it's basically this account of Enoch, the pre-flood sort of seventh from Adam, mentioned in Genesis 5, you know, the Lord kind of, in this book, takes Enoch to different places. He takes him to the abyss and to heaven and different places. But a major focus of it seems to be the whole Genesis 6 saga, this idea that angels or divine beings went down to earth and mated with humans and created this offspring for to his giants, the Nephilim, uh, different things. I mean, it lines up with a lot of different mythology of different cultures, and it's actually Enoch. First Enoch. The, the important thing biblically is it it's quoted um, by Jude and referenced for sure by Peter in his in his second epistle, his second letter. So you know, was it? It's not was canon. It? I would I wouldn't call it canon. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask you. Is was is it canonical? Canonical? So no, yeah. it, I wouldn't say it is. Yeah, but it's important. It it shows us the kinds of literature that's in the heads of the people God inspired to to write the New Testament. It uh, shows you this very important ties up some loose ends. Just about you know the the unseen realm and just can just give you a better understanding of the new Testament in general. I think. Yeah. Things that that don't seem to make sense, you know, as much as reading Josephus or, you know, the apocryphal, the other apocryphal, the the deuterocanonical books uh, can. Which for those of you out there don't know what those are, the deuter, deuter, how do you say it? Deuterocanonical books. Were deuterocanonical. deuterocanonical books were basically the books that the Catholics and I think even the Eastern Orthodox have still have in their Bibles. The apocryphal is what they're called, and and they they basically are canon in those two religious traditions, and they are actually canon in the uh, the Septuagint, which was the Bible that basically Jesus and Paul and all, all those guys used. If you don't have a copy of the Septuagint, I highly recommend you pick it up. It's it's very, very vastly different from what we see in our Old Testament in a lot of our modern translations. Okay, so we went down a rabbit hole. I'm going to pull us out of this rabbit hole, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what I've been listening to a little bit, if that's all right with you, Lindsay. Yep, that's good. Um, yeah, uh, my, my son, I have an older son, and uh, we... We have a Halloween tradition, even though we really don't celebrate Halloween. I, I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I'm one of those kind of people that, you know, I see both sides of the whole Halloween argument. And just, just for future reference out there, uh, 
I hate to say this because I, I fight this with everything within my being, but I think there is a a level of gray in the world. I think there is wrong and right. I think there is black and white. However, I think that there are some instances that only God can see the black and white in every situation. And all we see is just fallen human beings is the gray. And so I've learned from other podcasts, from other people to basically, you know, when it comes to different things to either bless it, to baptize it or to burn it. I think actually I got that from the sword and staff people. My, my son and I watched our, our, uh, video with actually with Lindsay this year that we watch every year. It's an old eighties. So it's got that eighties nostalgia called trick or treat. And it's got Ozzy Osbourne and Gene Simmons in it. And I'm a metalhead at heart. And I, I actually, I love all kinds of different genres of music, but, uh, metal is where I always end up metal and eighties music. And so I've been, I've been listening to the soundtrack for that and been listening to a, a lot of, um, Def Leppard, and I actually love the radio. At night, I am actually in the bedroom. I'm not listening to a podcast, which I do. I'm listening to 80s music and reading. And so that's basically what I've been doing for, you know, entertainment-wise. And Sandy and I watch so much different kinds of TV. We, we, we watch TV on weekends and, and a little bit during the week, but we're trying to pull back from watching a lot of TV and we watch so many different shows that I don't even want to get onto that. We'll have to do a program about, you know, exploring different shows. Cause there's something really fascinating to me that I learned from Jay Dyer that Lindsay just mentioned earlier, something called predictive programming and how uh, the elites are hiding stuff in plain sight in a lot of ways, basically just to, to show us that, Oh, well that's just fiction. So that can't be true. Of course, there's other aspects and factors into it as well. So anyway, rabbit hole. I wish I had a sound effect. I could shoot rabbits. <laughs> but shoot that rabbit. What are you watching, Lindsay? Anything in particular? Well, I just finished The Watcher not long ago. That oh, yeah. Yeah, tons of tons of predictive programming. But it was still... It was, it, it was just a good entertaining show. It really was. It was. It was. Very Hitchcock-esque, I think you said, right? Yeah, it, it gave me some definite Hitchcock vibes. Uh, which, yeah, is, what? which is a lot, in a lot of ways, which is a lot scarier than a lot of the just the, the, the slashing, you know, the, the hack and slash movies that are out today. You yeah. know? Suspense. A lost art. <laughs> well, yeah, The Watcher, uh, but still going through X-Files. I think I'm on season two. Rewatching that, of course. It's uh Yeah. Classic. Yeah, there was tons of uh predictive programming type stuff in uh Star Trek and and I am a Trekkie. I love Star Wars too. I'm one of those weird people that actually like both. My family and I are, are Voyager fans. I like the original Star Trek, but we we're Voyager fans. Anyway, well let's talk about what we wanted to talk about today something that i actually have some stories about that i'm gonna talk about and Lindsay and i both have done some research on it and i'm gonna let him chime in on some of the research he's done about it but it's this topic this fascinating bizarre weird topic 
called The Stairs in the Woods. And before you turn off this podcast and think that we're kooks, uh, there's this, um, I don't want to say legend, because uh, there's, there's, there's actually proof that, that they do exist. However, there's, you know, there's false flags. There's people that write and make up stories and all. We'll get into that in a second. But uh, there's this phenomena and mostly seen in, well, it's seen everywhere, honestly. I, I wanted to say it was mostly seen in national parks. However, it, it this phenomena is seen everywhere. I mean, what are these stairs in the woods and why are they covered up? So I'll turn over to Lindsay, let him get some of the background of the research he's been doing on that. Well, I got to say, I was a little disappointed. You got to start here. It starts with a Reddit post on the No Sleep subreddit called Search and Rescue Woods that Apparently, I found out, seems to have been kind of a fictional creepypasta type thing. Uh, the more I looked at it, the more that seems to be the case. Uh, written by a guy named Carrie Hammond. It's, it's on Goodreads as if it were a book, but it's not. It hasn't been published, I don't think. Uh, a sci-fi channel television show, kind of an anthology each uh, season was a different story kind of thing. I guess bought the rights of it and incorporated some sort of mystery stairway, not necessarily in the woods, in their third season. It's called Channel Zero. That's the name of the show. Yeah, that 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 is what I found out about. But regardless, just discussion about that really got people talking about genuine cases of stairs in the woods and the overlap with a lot of the missing 411 stories. Yeah, um, David Pilatus, uh, Pilatus uh, if, if yeah. you're not familiar with him. Yeah, check that out. David Pilatus, 411, missing 411. It's something really worth checking out. And yeah. and I was looking at one of the subreddits earlier, and, you know, there was a guy on there talking about one he found in Georgia. Uh, I think I want to say in Camden County, Georgia, near the Crooked River. He walked up it and felt nausea and, and yeah, uh, apparently there's a story of the, from this, of a CDC doctor in the, or some sort of doctor in the 1940s in Roswell. It's, you know, it's related to cattle mutilations and we all know, you know, the, the whole Roswell story. Yeah. We won't go into that, but just, this idea that there was this stairwell that would appear and, and, and disappear and leave burn marks. Uh, there's a guy in the Philippines who has put out what seems to be a true story uh, about going up a stairwell in the jungle and missing time and, and things like that. So, Yeah, that's what's fascinating. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but, but this is not just a North American phenomenon. Yeah. That's what's... I find really fascinating and and you know and, and exceptional about it. That's what really drew me into the whole. I mean, this story drew me into the whole four on one missing person is this search and rescue post on Reddit. Uh, it, it just it drew me in. It, it fascinated me. Why are there stairs in the woods? You know, yeah. uh, 
I've, I, I love the woods. I love hiking and getting out and camping and all that type of stuff. And there is inex- inexplicably a, there is a fact that people, uh, a huge, I would, I won't say huge, a large number of people go missing in these national parks and state parks all around the United States. And it's just not reported. They don't even have a common database that unless it's come out in the past few months, they don't have a common database to even keep track of all the people that are missing in these. Uh, and, and there appear to be hot spots uh, where people seem to disappear in these areas, certain, certain parks in certain areas, of these parks. And you know, what, what does that have to do with the stairs? If it, if it has anything, you know, I, I appreciate what you said, Lindsay. You said that you were kind of disappointed that it was kind of a creepy pasta. I mean, that, which leads us to believe that this story was just a sleep, you know, no sleep story, which no sleep on Reddit. You guys is like people who try to, uh, my son tells me what they're called, but they're like fake stories that people try to permeate out there and make them real. This, this story by this search and rescue guys, just, it's fascinating. I mean, I, I have it, some stuff printed out. I, I'd like to share if that's all right with you. Yeah, it's Real, fun. Lizzie, you have more, did you have more you wanted to share? I, I don't want to jump no, in. No, no, no. Um, you know, he, he said that they, they come in a variety of a variety of shapes, sizes, and styles and conditions, you know, that some are dilapidated, just ruins. Others are like brand new. Saw one set that looked like they came from a lighthouse. They were metal and spiral and almost old-fashioned. The stairs don't go up infinitely or further than you can see, but the sets are taller than others. Like I said, in the middle of nowhere. And we're talking, when he's, when he talks about this, when I, when he says middle of nowhere, you guys, he's talking about like 40 miles in the wilderness. He, he never discloses exactly where he worked. But like, say if you went to Yellowstone Park and you were on the trails, these are like 40 miles, 30 miles off the beaten path, like probably places people haven't been for years. And they find these stairs. Now in the Appalachians, they'll find a lot of stuff because there used to be towns up in the mountains. And these towns have basically become ghost towns and there's remnants of buildings and all that kind of stuff. So... You know, there's a there's an awareness of that, but these stairs just are bizarre. I mean, I honestly, he he started writing about all his just weird stories about search and rescue, but these stairs are what jumped out. They're just creepy. I mean, don't you think it's just it's just creepy? Yeah, I mean, whatever it was, it doesn't just sound like something that was pulled out of his butt <laughs> he must have come up with it from somewhere yeah yeah because you know people do pull stuff out their butt you know i mean that's people lie the bible says let god be true and every man a liar you know so people do like sens- sensational and i've heard psychological people you know scientism the, the faith of scientism which I, I believe is a faith as much as christianity or buddhism or whatever scientism you know, they'll they'll come out and say that, you know, that certain people that have all these types of experiences have a certain psychological profile, blah, 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 blah. That, st- that doesn't mean anything. 
doctors and, and, and these people, they're just practicing, you know? I mean, that's the reason why they're called practices. And it's just the, the, the epitome of arrogance to think that, that we've got everything figured out in this world. I kind of agree with Tim Alberino. Did I say that right, Lindsay? I can't. I, Tim I Alberino. It's Alberino. Alberino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that that I've learned, listened to on other podcasts. That that I think atheism is going to become extinct in the next few years. When the things that are coming into our world, which that'll be another whole podcast and rabbit hole, uh, atheism is fastly, fastly, if that's even a word, is fastly becoming an extinct religion. In Amen. I, I want it to. Honestly, in a lot of ways, even though I'm a Christian, I appreciate the New Agers and their openness, the supernatural, and even other nations and, and, and the Native Americans and all their openness to the, the supernatural and the unseen world around us. I mean, that, that's been people's worldview for thousands of years. And now all of a sudden, you know, we have a renaissance and a little bit of an enlightenment, and we think that everything is science. Boom, let me kill that rabbit. I don't want to go in that rabbit hole. But these stairs are, are, are fascinating. And I want to tell a story about these stairs, which is really fascinating. My wife and I, we, we used to have a retreat center. And long story short, it, it, it didn't really work. So we met this awesome ministry that has come into our retreat center and has taken it over. And they've made it into like a, a rehab, rehabilitate people on, on drugs or people that have that have come out of being incarcerated and to help them, you know, basically it's Christian. So to, to, to center them in their identity in Christ and to learn about the grace of God instead of, you know, religion and to basically learn how to live life. Hat tip, foundational rock. We love you guys. So I was helping with this ministry. I was teaching a Bible study on the book of Colossians and my wife, who is always there, She's on here now. She's she's producing this podcast. She's she's always there, always my my anchor. And she was there, and I was talking about something to do with uh, supernatural or or something. And this girl, um, who is probably new to the program, leaned over to her and said, "Have you ever seen the stairs in the woods?" And my wife got what do you call them, chill bumps, goose pimples, whatever, all over her entire body. And I'm up there teaching, and my wife's trying to get my attention, like, uh-oh, something weird's going on, something weird's going on here, you know. And, and of course, I'm I'm into my, my anointing. I'm teaching and preaching or doing whatever I'm doing, and I, I didn't get it. So she leans back over to her, and she says, have you ever seen any around here? She says, no, but I see the people in the woods. Long story short, we end the we end the um the teaching. We go back home and my wife begins to tell me about the story. Now, what's fascinating about the story is is you're sitting here saying, Okay, somebody is a you know ex ex drug addict. Surely they have hallucination, delusions, whatever, blah, blah, blah. All right, this whole stairs in the woods phenomena, you guys, is not commonplace. I mean, if you surveyed ten people on the street. 10 people won't know about this. You you can survey people who are weird like Lindsay and I, and they won't know about this whole phenomena. It, it, it's, it's, it's a small phenomenon amidst a lot of other phenomena. 
And for this girl to lean over and talk to my wife about this, especially since my wife and I were just talking about this, was amazing. It was supernatural. Now, where she heard it from, I have my suspicions. I don't think it was the Lord or the Holy Spirit. But it's always interesting to me that demons and Satan, they always kind of overplay their hand. They they try to creep you out, but what, what ends up happening is they basically show you that you're on the right track, that, that there's there's supernatural stuff out there that bizarre things and uh, it's the epitome of arrogance. They're they're just like a lot of the elites today in today's world. They they like they have to show you what they're doing because they're arrogant and they're getting away with it. That's something I've learned through this whole process. And like I said, that'll be another podcast too. So I quickly told Lindsay about the story. What do you, what did you think when I told you about that story, Lindsay? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's sense of eeriness for sure. We'd been talking about that for months at that point. You had not discussed that with this girl. You didn't really know her that well. I mean, you, you, for her to just bring that up to your wife, who wasn't even as interested in it as you are. Yeah, just, I mean, just couldn't have just been coincidence. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I, I definitely agree with that. That story was one of the reasons why we wanted to start off with, you know, something kind of soft with our podcast. We don't want to, <laughs> Lindsay and I don't want to put all our cards on the table in the first or second episodes, you know, we want to, we want to draw you into the veil, you know, we want to red pill you slowly because we're not kooks. I mean, if anything, I'm well, and, and Lindsay will tell you too about him. Uh, I'll let him say it, but I'm left brained. I'm very much a analyzer skeptic, but I tell you what I've really learned. And I want to know what you think about this, Lindsay. Uh, I have really learned to be skeptical of the skeptics. Yeah. Well, the skeptics, particularly if they're a part of some skeptic society, you hear people, well, this hadn't been scrutinized by skeptics. Well, if they're genuine skeptics, maybe, but a lot of the skeptics have decided from the gate something is wrong (laughs) or something is false. And, I mean, they, they bring that to the table, and they'll deny what their eyes see oftentimes. So, yeah. Well, it's like they, they have the same presuppositions that we have as Christians. Yeah. You, know? you you can't come at it without having presuppositions. And so they they do. They have presuppositions of, of what life, and, and they have a worldview, and they have glasses that they look at it, you know, and, and what... To me, what a true skeptic would be would be with someone who would even be skeptical of their own skepticism. There's a there's a theologian out there that that I admire a lot and, and enjoy listening to, and you know I, I don't agree with everything he says. I eat the meat and spit out the bones, but his name is uh, N.T. Wright, and one of the things I say this about my preaching all the time, but this applies just to general spiritual rule to life. Is he said he would basically say you know seventy 
60, 70% of what I'm preaching is the truth. The other 30, 40% or 20% that um, I'm preaching is not the truth. But if I knew if it wasn't the truth, I would change it. And we have to come at life, you know, through those lenses of realizing it's uh, my, my older son is really into the, the, the Stoics. He, he enjoys reading about the Stoics. And one of their pillars is, you know, self-awareness, being aware of what you believe and being aware of your own faults and your own uh, inadequacies. And I think Jesus said that when he, when he used the word meekness, being meek and humble. Humility is, is basically just having an accurate self-awareness of, of who you are, what you're good at, and what you're not good at. We, we have to realize that we all come at the world with through our presuppositions. And I think that when we realize that, it helps us to overcome those presuppositions, particularly when we do it when, in community. And that's why I love Lindsay so much, because Lindsay is my people. We bounce stuff back and forth off each other and he'll reel me in if it sounds too crazy. And he, <laughs> he's, he's, he's more cautious, which is good because it balances me out. You know, I won't, uh, I want to jump out there and, and I went from, you know, basically being an agnostic in college to, to getting saved in college and, and becoming an on fire radical Christian but when I do something, I want to do it all the way. And yeah. uh, some sometimes I need, I know not sometimes, I need people in my life to be able to, to pull me back. But the stairs. So what do we do? We What do we do about the stairs? You know, uh, Lindsay and I both have some theories, if they're legit, about what they could possibly be. I'll let Lindsay go first. What do you think, Lindsay, the stairs could possibly be if they are legit? Well... I don't know. Sounds like some sort of Axis Mundi type portal to me. You know, Why don't you unpack that, unpack that for people? What, what, what do you well, mean by I mean, that? Axis Mundi is just this notion of a place where, quote unquote, the heavens and the earth meet. Uh, you know, it's Which is like sometimes, sometimes it was envisioned as a tree. Sometimes, you know, I. You know, you even have this imagery in, in the Bible with, with uh, Jacob, Jacob's dream of the, the stairway or ladder to heaven, the angels ascending and descending on it. And for us, Christ ultimately becomes that. And through the Holy Spirit, we become that. Um, yes. But yeah. that doesn't mean that there's not some darker realities out there too places where quote-unquote the gods can be accessed and yeah based on a lot of the stories you hear just people walking up them and disappearing or just entities encountered on them it sounds like it could be some sort of portal to me I, I don't know. yeah that's been my thinking as well you know it's interesting too from a christian perspective christian point of view the, the ancient celts which fascinatingly is believed uh, descended from the whole race of Nephilim, at least some of them did. When they got saved by, well, I mean, there was numerous missionaries to them, but, you know, one of the biggest ones was St. Patrick, but uh, other other missionaries, there was a whole form of Celtic Christianity before Rome basically 
exerted its power and took over uh, Christianity and the whole what I'd call the Emerald Isles, the you know the UK, England, Wales, Ireland, Scotland, that whole area. The, the Celts had their their own form of uh, Christianity, which is very supernatural oriented. It's like they baptized the good things that were in some of their their pagan stuff because it's just a matter of reality to them. See, that's what we have to realize is that the supernatural world is reality. But anyway, they had a a theory that they called thin spaces, and basically what these thin spaces were were areas that reflected Eden. I mean, Eden was on a mountain. And Eden was a place where God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. And so it, it, was, it was a place where there was both the physical and the spiritual met. And they met in a way where they were, I don't even know how to put it into words, where they were, they were both in existence there. And, and Adam's eyes and Eve's eyes were open to the, to the spirit world. It was a thin space. But the Irish have always traditionally taught about these thin spaces, these these places where, for good or for ill, that the the seen and the unseen are the veil between the two are, are very thin. But there's also time periods because we're recording this near uh, Halloween. There's also time periods that they believed when the 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 veil was very thin, and and, and Halloween and October and all that was. Was what not, not necessarily what the Christian Celts believe, but what the occult believes now, and they got some of that pagan religion from the early Celts before they were Christians. You know, had the same theory of 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 a thin space. So my taking it back to the stairs, my theory is that these could, like you said, be some sort of portal, thin space, an area where. Man has been trying to get back to Eden for since Genesis. I mean, that's what the Tower of Babel was. It was a the pyramids, all the stuff in the world. It's just they're just all attempts to to get back to that place of Eden illegally, not in God's yeah. will, so to speak. So that the whole thin space concept just I always seem to think of that when I think about these stairs in the woods. I mean, yeah, that's a it just gives me a good mental image, just a, a thin space. You can almost picture a a threadbare sheet or a curtain there. One, yeah. One part where you can see through a little bit better than the others there. It's just good imagery. Well, and I'm sure there's tons of movie Im- imagery. We, if we had time or could sit here and think about it, that it have that, that sort of imagery where people – can you know they they would stick their hand through it and it's different on the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, obviously, Stranger Things kind of yeah explored that a whole lot with the upside yeah. down. Yeah, so it's on it's on people's minds right now. It really is. Well, and and it's not a coincidence that it's on people's minds, and it's not a coincidence that regardless of your eschatology, something is happening in the world, and the world is getting more amped up spiritually and supernaturally yeah. both in the good and in the bad so yeah, it is what it is you know it, it's re-enchantment that's a word that yep. 
That's Jordan a great staff word. Guys use a lot um, to describe that, and I can't think of a better one. No, it is. Um, it's it is. It's a reenchantment. We, our our world has been disenchanted by scientism. What you can see here, taste, smell, measure. It's been disenchanted, and and we need a reenchantment, but it needs to be biblically informed reenchantment. That's my, yeah. that's my heart, and I know that's your heart is to be able to, basically, let it be biblically informed reenchantment, and it doesn't take, it doesn't take long, to open up your Bible and to see it. I mean, the first five or six chapters of the Bible, <laughs> the Bible can be. A, to me, it reads like a fantasy novel in a good way. I mean, if if we really believed our Bibles, how would it change our Christianity? If we really believed that what they were talking about, and, and not ascribe it to back then, or not ascribe it to in the future, if 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 we looked at it as a source book of of how to see the world, I think I think it would totally. It would rock the church's world. It would give them a bigger vision of life, and I think it, we would we would be the triumphant church that that in bride that Christ is coming back for. And for all you people out there that are looking in the world and trying to figure out what's going on, just remember the world is unrefined.